0: God is good, and he's good all the time. Can you say amen to that? I'm excited about you being here. And listen, today your life is going to be challenged, but you're also going to be changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen to that? I encourage you in one thing. When you come to church, come to learn and not critique. I am not your competition. I'm your pastor. I thought I'd just throw that out there, okay? Uh, So... I'm going to do the best of my ability to convey to you what I feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken to me. Is that good? Somebody shout, our best is yet to come. I believe that we're in a transition period. I'll be, I believe right before us is the promised land. And listen, I've come to give you hope today. Amen. I've come to give you hope and encouragement. And uh, if you were in the first service, then you just got a boatload of encouragement, didn't you? All right. So what does God require? That's what we're going to talk about. Real quick, though, before we do that, very soon we're going to start Saturday morning uh, leadership classes. And then also we're going to start some men's meetings coming up very soon and some ladies' meetings. We're just trying to gradually get back into the pattern of meeting again. Uh, It's been a strange season, hasn't it? And pastors all over are just trying to figure this thing out. Everybody, to the best of their ability, is trying to figure it out. We're navigating through uncharted waters. And right when we thought we were done with the pandemic, then the pandemonium of this other issue hit. But Jesus is still Lord, and Jesus is still the answer for the world today. And thank God for churches. Can you say amen to that? All right. I'm just making sure there's nothing. All of you guys watching, last Sunday at this time, we had one of the largest viewerships since this whole thing started. Right, Christian? Last Sunday. So we want you to share, please. Comment, like, tag a friend in the comments. I'm going to preach to these folks and you at the same time, and God's going to do something great. Amen. I just love hearing y'all's voice. It's so good to be home. Man. You know what? Just for the sake of sound, let's give the biggest shout to Jesus Christ we can possibly give. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord everybody, praise the Lord everybody, praise the Lord everybody, hallelujah, hallelujah, well look at your neighbor and tell him it's on in the building and then you may be seated. What does God require? The title of my message today is what does God require? You know, when this pandemic hit, we were in a series called Stretch. Do y'all even remember that far back? We were were talking about stretch. Well, we're still stretching. Right? We're still stretching. And I remember saying uh, that one of the most uncomfortable things we can do is stretch. And uh, it seems like uncomfortable has been the word of the hour. Everything has been uncomfortable. But I want you to know that All pain is not injury. We said it before. All pain is not injury. It's almost like this is the year of being uncomfortable. It's almost like uncomfortable year. I don't know about y'all, but I can't remember a time in our nation that it's been shaken to its core for this long. This has been uh, quite challenging. And my concern has sent me into deep contemplation And the people in the first service gathered that, I suppose. That wasn't the greatest ending of a service that I've ever seen. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) For those of you who didn't get to see that online, God bless you. Uh, But, you know, the Bible says that when Jehu was anointed, That he was anointed with an angry anointing. Right, Kevin? The Bible says the prophet, the Lord told the prophet, shut the door on him because when this anointing hits him, he's gonna come unglued. Uh, And that's kind of, so I'm gonna blame that on Jehu today, all right? I'm gonna excuse myself from that one. But um, I've learned, you know, during this time of chaos. As I walk during the daytime, I've learned that I need to stop looking outside and start looking inside. So as I've been walking, I've been asking God, what do you expect of me? What do you want from me? I'm concerned as a pastor. I'm concerned as a leader. And it seems like anything you say is wrong. It's almost like you can't say anything right. So... What do you want from me? So not only am I concerned as a pastor, as a leader, I'm concerned as a father. I'm concerned as a father-in-law. I'm concerned as a grandfather. Um, So my heart is filled with concern. So usually when I'm walking, I just pray in the spirit. And the Lord spoke to me just two days ago as I was walking, some very emphatic instructions, and I've come to share them with you today. Is that all right? One verse of scripture that is found in Micah, chapter six and verse eight. Listen, what the Bible says: He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. Say that word, good. good. He has showed thee, O man, what is what good. good. I like that word. Anybody else like that word, good? And what doth the Lord require of thee? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, right? To love mercy and to act. In the Hebrew it says to do justly. And finally, to walk humbly before God. Now, Micah chapter 6 is an interesting chapter. Of course, all prophets are prophets of eschatology, meaning the study of end times. And I challenge you to read the entire chapter of Micah chapter 3 when you go home. Because it's going to describe to you in great detail exactly where we are in the earth today. Go home and read the entire chapter. Read it slow and study it. Micah chapter 3. But in Micah chapter 6, the entire chapter is about, now listen to this, not man contending with God, but God contending with man. He asked. In Micah chapter 6, God begins to ask his people questions. Now, when God begins to ask you stuff, you better be prepared to answer. And in that, before he sets them up, see, he starts rehearsing to his people, am I not the one who led you out of Egypt? And then he goes on to say, am I not the one when Balak tried to curse you that I spoke through Balaam, and Balaam blessed you. Am I not the one who carried you from the Acacia Grove is, to the promised land in Gilgal in the promised land? Am I not the one who brought you over Jordan? All right? This is what God is telling them. And in verse 3 of Micah chapter 6, he says these words. Listen God, to God speaking to his people. What have I done to make you tired of me? And then he follows it up with two words, answer me. Have you ever asked your child a question like that? And then you follow it up with those two words, answer me. Don't just look at me, answer me. Now this is your father. And he says to his people, what have I done to weary thee? What have I done to make you tired of me? Then he says, answer me. The King James Version uses the word weary because it means in Hebrew, What have I done to make you impatient with me? This is God saying, what have I done to make you impatient with me? What have I done that would make you tired of waiting on me? In other words, I've got a history with you that it didn't always work out like you thought it was going to work out, but it always worked out to your good. So why are you acting so impatient? Why are you weary? Why are you tired with me? Why are you choosing alternatives now? Why is it that you used to come to me, but now you're not coming to me first, you're coming to me last? Why, are, why didn't you come to me to begin with? Why have I wearied you? What have I done that you can't wait on me? And in verse 5, he says, I, the Lord, did everything I could do to teach you faithfulness. Can I read that again, verse 5? He tells them, I've done everything that I could do to show you I'm faithful. This is God talking. This isn't some man. This is God saying, I've done every. God is saying, I couldn't do another thing to show you how faithful I am. This is God, y'all, the creator of the universe, saying, I've done everything I could do to show you that I am faithful. Now, here's all your responsibility. Verse 5, the Message Bible reads it like this. All I ask you to do is keep my salvation stories fresh and present all I'm asking of you is that you keep my stories of deliverance fresh keep them present don't act like because I delivered you 10 years ago that that's something that you don't even think of with respect anymore you pay no regard to it if it happened 15 years ago you need to be celebrating it like it happened 15 minutes ago talk to me in this building and talk to me out there. Come on in this building, y'all. It's your responsibility to keep my deliverances and my doings fresh. How do we do that? We keep talking about it. Well, let me tell you what God did for me. And then somebody says back to you, well, let me tell you what the Lord did for me. And then somebody on the other side of the room says, and God healed my marriage. And somebody over here says, and the Lord delivered me from drugs. And somebody in the back says, God healed me from cancer. What are we doing? We're keeping his stories fresh. Then I've got an idea deep down in my soul that God is about to do something for you that's so fresh that you didn't even expect it. If you expected it, it wouldn't surprise you. But God said, I'm going to do such a fresh thing in you. I'm going to do something you wasn't even looking for. I dare you to shout, keep it fresh in the building. Keep it fresh. And he said, this is your responsibility to keep all God's salvation stories fresh and present. It's our responsibility to keep reminding ourselves and others of God's goodness. Speak of his deliverances in your life often. Somebody shall praise the Lord. Now let me talk to you about what happens in verse 8. All of that is a setup for verse 8. So God is getting on them. What have I done? That you are being impatient with me. Have you been keeping my stories fresh? The prophet says, what, what do you want from us? You go home and read it. Do you want 10,000 sacrifices? What do you want? You want our firstborn? What do you want from us? I could see God take a deep breath, and in verse 8, he says, What does the Lord require of you? I'm walking, and I'm thinking, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and the Lord speaks to me. And he says, First of all, he has already shown you. That's what he starts with. I've already shown you. In other words, you ought to already know, or you should know by now. What I require of you. I'm thinking this. This morning when I start studying the word require at about 4.10 this morning. In the Hebrew, here's what it means. To frequently seek in you. Or to ask for as a demand or insist from you. So when God says what what do I require of you, it's what do I insist from you. It's not a recommendation. It's a requirement. What I demand, what I expect, what I insist from you. The word require literally means to need for a particular purpose. So God is saying, if you don't have these three things, then you'll never understand the full potency of your personal purpose in the earth. This is your requirements to enjoy the full efficacy of your purpose in the earth. In other words, you'll never reach your full full purpose until you understand these requirements. And I wrote this down. Without the principles of justice, mercy, and humility, your purpose will never be fulfilled. In other words, God says this is what is essential for you. What is a requirement? Let's just take it for an example. For you to receive a diploma, you are required to finish school. That's a simple example. There are certain requirements that God puts on us. I'm walking and I'm praying. and God speaks to me and he says, you do not get to require anything of me. You don't get to demand me to do anything. I am God. Even though there are things that I know are required for you to be successful, for your well-being in the earth, I know they are required, but never demand of me what I've already afforded to you. So I'm thinking to myself, requirement, requirement. He knows what is required, and he's already given it to you. God said, tell my people to stop requiring and start requesting because really that's all they get to do. Stop requiring of me and start requesting of me. This is what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Boy, we need that word today. But in every, not some, but in every situation, how many? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, what does it say? With thanksgiving, let your what? Request be made known unto God. So before you even request it, start giving me thanks for everything you already have. Show gratitude before you bring your request. God does not request anything from us. Did y'all hear that? God doesn't request anything from you. He doesn't go, hey, do you think that maybe... Can I request... can Can I request that... Can you see God doing that? Can I request that you act justly and maybe... Could you think about maybe loving mercy and I have one more request saith God. Could you just possibly walk humbly before me? How silly does that look? God don't request anything of us. He requires things from us. Luke 12:28 to whom much, y'all want to finish it? So you want to be blessed a whole lot? Then get ready for more. Yeah. You want more reward? Yeah, Pastor Rick. Okay, are you ready for more requirements? To whom much is given, much is required. You expect a lot from me, and I expect a lot from you. You receive a lot from me, I'm going to get a lot from you. That's God. To whom much is given, much is required. So maybe we ought to stop requiring God to be on our side. demanding him to be who we want him to be. No, God, this is who you are. God is saying maybe you ought to turn your requirements into requests, and you can get further along in life. I'll leave it there. I'll just stop. No, I won't. i keep on. See, anointing requires sacrifice. Salvation requires the death of a Savior. Everything that is perpetuated prophetically in history and scripturally, something was required for something to be received. So who are we to think we're going to skate through life and God's just going to let us act any old way we want to act, live any old kind of way we want to live, And he's just not going to put any requirements on us and he's just going to keep blessing us and putting stuff on us while we out here acting a fool. Talk back to me in this sanctified church. So he says, here's the deal. What do I require of you? Act justly. In the Hebrew, it extracts the word act and then search the word do because a lot of people act in just that ain't just so he says do justly in the hebrew in other words you should know number 1 everybody say numero uno <laughs> you should know the difference between right and wrong You should know the difference in being fair and unfair. Hmm. Do justly, be fair, show justice. Many of you hear the word justice and you already insert judgment. Judgment is a verdict, justice is fairness. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. Psalm 89, 14 says righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. What is the foundation of God's throne? Righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne. Love and faithfulness go before God. I hope you're hearing me you in your living room. Isaiah 1:17. listen to the prophet. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Wait a minute, what did that say? Defend the oppressed. It didn't say defend a color. Anyone that is oppressed, defend them. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cause of widows. Hosea, 1, 20, or, or Hosea 12, 6. But you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. Can I keep going? Think I will. Proverbs twenty one fifteen. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but it brings terror To the evildoers. If you know you being fair, you ought to be the most joyful people in the world. But if you ain't sure you being fair, you're always afraid and you're full of terror. Terror comes to those who do evil. Terror comes to those who endorse evil. Terror comes to those who sign off on evil. But joy comes to those who are just. So old man, number one requirement, act do What? Justly. Number two, are y'all with me so far? At this point in the service, the first service, we had three people walk out. Now when I get to the second part, I'll tell you how many people walked out on point number two. So far, so good. We still got people coming in, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Amen, Jesus. Oh, man, what do I require of you? Act justly. Number two, love mercy. I've learned this. We do not abuse what we love. You don't abuse what you love. Mercy endures Forever. forever. Some of you just need to throw your hands up right now and say thank God for his mercy and let me help you before you keep your hands down. If it wasn't for his mercy, you wouldn't be here right now. I thank him for his grace. Man, I love him for his mercy. His mercy endures. His mercy goes through all your mess and it keeps you. His mercy endures forever. Exodus chapter 25 tells us Moses building the tabernacle and God tells him, build the mercy seat right in the middle. And in verse 22, he says this, you shall put the mercy seat, verse 21, above the ark and the ark shall have the law. Verse 22 says, and there I will meet with you and I will commune with you above the mercy seat between the angels over the law. Where does mercy live? Above the law. Y'all didn't hear that right there. Mercy always resides above the law. Somebody ought to thank God for that. Because if the law resided over the mercy, none of us would have hope in this building. And he says, at the place of mercy, I will communicate with you. If you want to meet me, meet me in mercy. Because if you try to meet me at law, we have no conversation. Because you failed that in Genesis chapter 3. So we can't even go there. So if you want to talk, let's sit down at the, at the table of mercy. Because if you do not sit down at the table of mercy and you want to reside at the desk of law, you can't even talk to me. There's no conversation. Mercy always slows down at the cry of people. Bartimaeus did not say, blind Bartimaeus did not say, Jesus of Nazareth, give me a miracle. Bartimaeus said, Son of David, that's all prophetic. Because Isaiah said that, that David would all, there would always be someone sitting in the seat of mercy in the line of David. Why? Because David was the biggest failure in all of Scripture. And God did not give up on him. When people give up on you, don't worry about it because God will not give up on you. God's mercy endures forever. So Bartimaeus knew something. He was blind, but he wasn't deaf. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped the whole show, said, call him to me. They brought him to him. He said, what do you want? Because when you cry for mercy, you open the door of heavenly privilege. Bartimaeus could have asked for anything, but he said, I want my sight back. And Jesus said, be it unto you. Are y'all in the building? What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Quit crying for miracles and start crying for mercy because mercy will bring you the miracle that you need. Stop looking for signs and wonders and start asking God, have mercy on me. Hmm. Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Pastor James says in chapter 2, verse 13, for judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who is not merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you show judgment to people, guess what you gonna get? Judgment. Boy, I thought I'd have y'all shouting by now, but that's all right. Whoo, Lord have mercy. I think I just shot for all of y'all. If you show mercy, you get mercy. The question is, what are you showing right now? What are you exhibiting right now? What are you expressing right now? I got a word for you. Everybody in this nation need to settle down and go back to what God told us he requires of us. Number one, be fair. Number two, be merciful. Love mercy. I dare you to throw your hands up and say, Lord, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on us. You know what we need right now? His mercy on this nation. God, have mercy on us, because if you did according to our deeds, we would be dead right now. But you haven't killed us, That means your mercy is still with us. Now just look at your neighbor and warn them. Here comes the third one and it's not nice. Go ahead and tell them. Here comes number three and it's not nice. This is not going to give you the Holy Ghost doodads up and down your neck and make you. None of that, baby. None of that. Somebody tell me number one. Do justly. What's number two? What's the third requirement of God? Not request. Not request. Requirement. What is it? Walk humbly. Somebody said, would you please give me the Hebrew etymology of the word humbly? Certainly, certainly, lowly, walk lowly before your God. You always hear the phrase, oh, take the high road. I don't know where that phrase came from, but that's not what God would tell you. God would tell you take the low road. What does that mean? Humility. Is the opposite of pride. Gonna get quiet in the sanctified church now. Will not be any B3 shouting tambourines running around the building. None of that is about to happen in the building. Ha! <laughs> Proud people will always have difficulty with instruction. You can't lead people who won't learn. That's why I started our beautiful service today by telling you, I hope you came to learn and not critique. I'm not your competition. I'm your pastor. Well, I appreciate that. Praise the Lord. I don't think I'm a bad one. I don't know about the best one, but I try. Sometimes I get mad and say I don't, well, never mind. It bur- <laughs> Here's what C.S. Lewis said. Humility, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. How's that for throwing you a curve? How is that with your philosophy that says you better look out for yourself? When Jesus says, look out for your neighbors. huh? Humility, James 4, 6. God said that I resist the proud and I give grace to the humble. I resist the proud and I give grace to the humble. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Caleb Colton said these words, the greatest friend of truth is time. Y'all don't lose me now, just because I'm stepping on your toes. Don't lose me. The greatest friend of truth is time. The greatest enemy of truth is prejudice. The greatest enemy of truth is prejudice. The greatest companion to truth is humility. The greatest companion to truth is what? Humility. First Peter 5, 6, God resists the proud. He's repeating Pastor James. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, not your time. In due time, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. If you'll cast your care on him, you don't have to be proud no more. The greatest symbol of your humility is when you cast everything you're concerned about on him and you stop trying to carry it yourself. It's just going to get deeper. Humble. Lower yourself in your own heart and lower yourself in your own eyes. Lower yourself. Jesus said, when you come to eat with a king, sit at the end of the table. Take the last seat. Boy, this nation needs to hear this right now because we are tooting our own horns. There's so much pride in this nation right now. There's so much pride in people right now. There's so much pride everywhere right now. Andrew Murray said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. If pride does not die in you, heaven cannot live in you. What got Satan cast? Lucifer got got cast out of heaven for what reason? Pride. He said, I will set myself up next to God. My voice is as important as his. Okay. Okay. That's all scripture and quotes from other people. I pray you're being blessed in your homes right now, because here come the rickisms. <laughs> okay, this ain't this ain't the Bible, this ain't Andrew Murray, Oswald Chambers. <laughs> False humility is the greatest expression of pride. False false humility is very akin to passive-aggressive behavior. This is me. False humility is very akin to passive-aggressive behavior. Passive-aggressive behavior is an indirect resistance to a demand from authority. I'm going to teach you now. Passive, aggressive behavior is an indirect resistance to the demand of authority. It's false humility. It's mostly portrayed in a victim mentality. I'm not done. Don't just take one sentence of this thing. Hear my whole thought. It is like a person who's acting like a child. They seemingly agree with the demand of authority, but then they go quietly in the bedroom and throw, throw a temper tantrum because they didn't get their way. That's false humility. That's passive aggressive behavior. Seemingly agree with the demand of authority and then go into their bedroom and throw a temper tantrum because they didn't get their way. Passive, aggressive behavior. False humility. It's hidden pride. Let me tell you about pride. Pride demands exposure. Pride will never submit or succumb to your suggestion of staying down. Eventually, if pride is in you, pride is coming out of you. I'm about done. So I'm walking. And I'm praying in the spirit. I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me these words. Humility will always say, I do not know everything. Humility will say, I don't know everything. Humility will always say I am willing to learn what I do not understand. Whew. Humility says, I am willing to listen before I give my opinion. Humility says, I don't have to be right to be strong. If you missed them all, don't miss that one. This is what the Holy Ghost told me. Humility says, I don't have to be right to be strong. So many people think, in order for me to be strong, I have to be right. Nothing further from the truth. Humility says, I don't have to be right to be strong. Some of the greatest words you will ever say, I talked to Pastor Christian about this the other day. I said, Christian, this is one of the strongest phrases you will learn to say in your life. I don't know. Do you know how hard it is for a preacher to say, I don't know? Because preachers are supposed to have all the answers. One of the greatest things Jehoshaphat did as he is fos, facing fosing, fosing himself. Facing the children of Moab, which means a fatherless generation, the people of Mount Seir, which means a goat-like stubborn spirit, and the people of Ammon, which means of the people and what the people want, not what the leader wants. He's facing those three groups. And he looks at God and he says these words. Kind of sounds like where we live today, right? Fatherless generation, goat-like spirits, stubborn. And let's just do what the people want. We don't need leaders. We sure don't need a pastor. The last guy I'm going to listen to is my pastor. Boy, I wish Paul the apostle was here. He would send the whole church to hell. He just would. He would just walk in all churches and say, y'all all all going to hell. All y'all going to hell. I can't imagine the Apostle Paul putting up with racism. I can't imagine the Apostle Paul putting up with the divisions and opinions of church members. I can't imagine him doing that. I can't imagine him saying, follow me as I follow Christ and then watch you go and do your own thing. See, the Apostle Paul didn't see himself as just another guy in the crowd. How does a man have that much confidence to say, follow me as I follow Christ? A lot of quiet in the sanctified church right now. So Jehoshaphat just looks right toward God, and he says, I got these three groups of people coming against me, and I don't know what to do. That's Rick Hawkins, the last 11 weeks. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. Which is what? Stay in the word. Preach the word. Give people hope. Give them a future. Build their faith. Don't jump on bandwagons. Anybody in the building? If you don't know racism is wrong, you've lost your mind. If you don't know that stealing stuff out of stores is wrong, you've lost your mind. It's pretty simple. You don't kill people and you don't steal stuff. Woo! I don't know. So I'm walking. I don't know what to do. Holy Ghost. Do what you know to do. Yes, Lord, I'll keep preaching. I'll keep giving them hope, and I'll keep telling them if they don't like black people, they're going to hell. I'll keep doing that, and I'll keep telling them if you murder people, you're a sinner. I'll keep doing that. So welcome to Rick Hawkins' world. As soon as he said, I don't know what to do. As soon as he said that, are y'all in the building? As soon as you can get humble enough to say, I don't know everything. I don't have to be right to be strong. I don't know everything. As soon as he said that, guess who walks in the room? A prophet. Come on Christian, you be Jehoshaphat. Kneel down on your knees. Throw your hands up and shout, Christian, I don't know what to do. What to do. Louder, Christian. I don't know what to do. Louder. Louder. You're a great Jehoshaphat. Skinny, I mean. One more time. I don't know what to do. Jehaziel walks in. Until you confess, I don't know. You're going to miss out on the next prophetic word for your future until you can humble yourself and say, I don't have all the answers. You're not going to get a word from God. But the moment you say, I don't know what to do, God will walk in and say, and Jehaziel walked in, and this is the word I came to give you today. Jehaziel walked in and said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Because this one belongs to me. All you got to do is sing. The mercy of the Lord endures forever. And when the church will humble ourselves to each other. And you're willing to look at a black man and say, Chief, I've never been black. I don't know what you faced in your life. Tell me. Tell me what that feels like. And you begin to tell me. And then I can show empathy for you. And I can tell you what I've gone through. And you can show empathy to me. We have no reconciliation. We have no answers until we say, I don't, bro. I don't know. I don't know how to help you. But I'm trying. I'm trying. Until. Until we get right there, instead of defending, I didn't do that to you. I didn't hurt you. It ain't about me. Until you can get right there and say, I don't know how to help, but man, I'm trying. Every I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. What? Teach me. Teach me. And then you say, teach me. And we can talk. We ain't never going to be healed. Quit acting like when you post that you got the definite answer. Are you crazy? You're not God. You don't have the answer. And when you get out this book, you're just a blooming idiot outside of the word of God. What does God say? What does God require? What should be our reply? Here's my reply. I don't know, Leroy. I really don't. But i'm trying i'm trying to the point that i'm making people mad you're talking about race steel they're still rioting they have- there's no peace yet so i called two of my most intelligent black friends that i know brian keith williams and bishop george bloomer and say hey I dare you to get on a Zoom with me and let me tell you, I don't know how to help. Oh, Bishop, we in there, bro. Let's go. I'm trying. Thank you, Bishop, for trying. Let's talk. Woo! This is what I've required of you. Act justly. Love mercy. And watch, Christian, walk humbly before your god What does pride look like, Christian? Yep. That's right. And what does humility look like? That's right. Randy Way toward each other what? How can you sit there and tell a man I understand get over it. what the hell's wrong with you. How can you be that arrogant? Why can't we can I tell you something Michelle? we ain't getting healed until we humble ourselves if my people who are called by my name not the world not the White House who is he talking to? my people called by my name I know hundreds of you are watching me right now. Listen to me. If my people, thank you for the thousands of you that have joined our online church, but I'm here to tell you, just like I'm telling these people in this building, if we don't humble ourselves, my people, call by my name. Before he says anything else, Kevin, he says, humble yourselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. First, you ain't even got to that part because we can't get past the first requirement. If my people call by my name, shall what? Say it. Say it. Shall what? Until we do that, there's no healing coming. Less than. I'm done. I'm frustrated. I'm mad I'm hurt I'm miserable and y'all make me more miserable by just posting stupid stuff that makes no healing it brings no healing it gives no hope you don't know is ignore we've gotten here hundreds of times in our history Leroy and what do we do we ignore it we get it to a point to a boiling point then ignore it well let me help you this one ain't being ignored something's got to change some of you think systemic racism is racism you don't even know what systemic means You've never studied redlining. You've never studied the property tax of a certain community going to a poor school that keeps it poor. You've never studied that. You don't know what people have been through. You've never lived in their shoes. I'm trying to run the people out of here that don't belong here. Just give me a minute to finish my job. If you believe that you are superior in any way to another race, you are not of God. And if you believe everything can just be healed by you ignoring it and making everybody just be quiet, you're wrong again. So this guy right here, if he pastors 10 people, is still gonna be talking to black guys on this stage saying what we, can we do let's talk men of God show us, teach us how can we make this all better I humble myself before you and I tell you I don't know but I'm trying let's lift our hands Lord we love you today and I hope God that somehow I've been able to convey your heart to these people you plainly told us in one verse of scripture this is what I require of you be fair act justly Love mercy. Love mercy. And finally, you told us, humble yourselves. Walk humbly before me. God, convict us right now. I pray, God, we break in your presence. Till we just cry over our obstinance and pride. Break us, God, of all pride. And let us humble ourselves before you. Whew. If you're with me praying for harmony, I didn't say unity. Harmony is the highest expression of unity. We're not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be one. I'm going to say it again. We're not not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be one, Stephanie. So if you're with me and you want harmony, Would you lift your hands as high as you can lift them and say, Lord, forgive us. If you don't want to pray this prayer, don't pray it, but if you want to pray it, pray it. Say, Lord, forgive us for pride, for prejudice. Forgive us for acting like we know it all. Forgive us for anything we've done in our life to make anyone else feel inferior to us. Forgive us and wash us in your blood from all sin, hate, bitterness, prejudice. Cleanse us from it. Heal our land. We humble ourselves before you and we tell you, God, if you don't heal the land, the land will never be healed. Heal our land in Jesus' name. Now, if you believe we got a bright future, I dare you to praise God like you believe we got a bright, bright future. Amen. For those of you watching us, share this, please. Tag someone, like, comment. Keep this message moving forward. I love all of you. I say to you, success to you, success to the kingdom. If you need prayer, somebody will be over here to pray for you.